Welcome to Chapel Bell Curve, the stats-focused podcast about UGA football. I'm Nathan. And I'm Justin. And it's time. It's that time, folks. It's time for our first SEC preview of the year. We are here. We have a crap ton of numbers. We do. Um, we had a very numbers-light episode, the last episode we did, and I felt sad about it. And I just went a little hard to the paint um, on numbers. Uh yeah, so we're going to talk about, we're going to do our normal preview show episode format here. So I just want to go through that real quick and just talk about, you know, how this is going to look and what, what we're going to try to get out of this. So we're going to do subjective narratives first. We're going to transition into what do we know about UG, uh, USC from a statistical per, uh, perspective. We're going to talk about the stats worth highlighting from us and from them that we may or may not cover. Um, or just, you know, facts about us and them right now. Um, we were going to do a segment where we talk about things we want to see, things that we'll see success. And then we're going to do our traditional over-unders and then predictions. The last segment we'll do will be our Ask CBC segment. So that's going to kind of be how it normally runs, uh, when we do a preview. And so this is it. Let's do it. So let's talk about sub- subjective narratives. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Bray Bray. USC is such a trendy upset pick at this point that it's like... Harlem after it was gentrified and all of the like oh jesus no seriously it's like you're right all i know <laughs> all of these all of these like hot take artists that got on usc in july are moving out because they're angry that their hipster hot take got gentrified by like the mainstream you know national media and now they're like complaining about yoga studios and froyo <laughs> joints and how like it's cultural appropriation and stuff which like it might be but it's like that's that, to me that's the number one narrative is that I, you know, I, I said this today. I was reading. I was reading somebody talking about how they picked uh, South Carolina to win tomorrow, and how it would be the first big shocker of the year. And I'm like, at some point, enough people say that ha- when enough people say it's going to happen, it's not a it's shocker. No longer a shocker. Yeah. yeah, yeah. To me, that's the number one narrative going in. And yeah. I and I, you know, my my sort of goal personally on this episode is to talk about like what that narrative looks like, where that narrative comes from, and then talk about what we see in the stats that reflect that. I'm into it. So what are, what are our other subjective narratives here? Everyone's talking about Debo Samuel because apparently there's no one else good on the Gamecocks. Just kidding. No, Debo Samuel's really good. It's very good. Um, yeah. He's actually very, very good. <laughs> yeah. But I don't even think that's really much of a subjective narrative. That's just true. That's true. Yeah. 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 Uh, but yeah, everyone's kind of talking to, about him. I think I've seen it retweeted like a hundred times that Debo Samuel doesn't know who DeAndre Baker is because there's like a nine second clip of someone saying something and I don't think he hears them correctly or maybe he's being a jackass and he, they say, you know, are you worried about DeAndre Baker? And he sits there for a second and looks at him and goes, who? Um, right. And so everyone's losing their minds. Right. But yeah, I'm not I'm not super concerned about it. Um, and I'm not saying that to say like, you know, DeAndre Baker is going to take care of him. We're going to talk about stats and all and we're going to take the subjectiveness yeah. out of this narrative in a moment. So yeah. Well, and it's just, it's just noise. It's so much noise. There's been a lot of noise. You know, like, um, Tory Gurley is a former Gamecock safety that, you know, guaranteed a win for South Carolina in, oh, in July on the Fine Mom Show and came back on again and did it again. And look, and, and I, I have a brief PSA to Dog Nation. We don't have to make fun of someone for having a name that sometimes girls get to make fun <laughs> of them. Let's be better than that. You know what Let's I mean? Let's be better than that. And, and also, we don't even have to make fun of the fact that he wasn't like an NFL player. Here's what we can make fun of. He's all he's doing is doing good things for our strength and conditioning department. Mm-hmm. I read it. I read something about that is on the wall 45 times on our, in our football, uh, in our football complex. What is it's 
the the whole it's just like the quote of him saying he guarantees a win oh yeah of, of south carolina over georgia like that is on the wall everywhere that's been told to these kids constantly and there's this whole big thing about how like you know um all of these all the different uh all the different players have come out and been like well it's not a big deal it's just noise etc cetera, etc cetera. but it's like i don't know they're not treating it like it is so yeah. that's you know I'm, I'm just not yeah it is what it is um not really a subjective narrative but i did just want to mention that uh well before i even get into that everyone's talking about uh will champ and how good his team is now and how he has uh put something together that wasn't there before will Muschamp's known for making stellar defenses which he's fantastic at i will say oh I, I will admit that that's not untrue whatsoever but we'll see and we'll talk about a lot of the pieces of his offense that is coming from somewhere else that isn't will Muschamp, which uh, one is a good thing for him because it means that he is letting go of the reins in some aspects and letting other people who, you know, have those strengths uh, are, are, you know, taking control of that wheel, so to speak. But other than that, I uh, we'll, we'll kind of talk about. It. I know you got a lot of notes on specifically who's running the offense and kind of what's happening and what it's going to look like. One more thing I didn't write down, but I, I am hearing a lot of is that I saw this a few times. It's I think the the clickbait title was something along the lines of is. UGA totally changing its offensive philosophy is, you know, UGA, do they have a brand new identity, yada, yada, yada. What did, how did you feel about that? Oh, no, that's, that's, that's bullshit. It's the same, it's the same stuff. We just have faster players. Yeah, exactly. And and we probably, I mean, here's the thing, like guys who are not system guys have thousands of plays. You pick stuff up from people, you, you, you steal stuff from people and good offensive coordinators. And I genuinely do believe that Cheney is a very good offensive coordinator, and I think that the people around him, Coley, is a good offensive coordinator. They kind of tailor what they do to the talent on hand. And so, yeah, we're going to see some different stuff. I think we're going to see more tight end. We're going to see more wide receiver in this offense. But at the end of the day, we're going to run the ball. Like, that's just if – yeah. you, if you find the aesthetics of run a ball down someone's throat 30 times a game displeasing, you are a fan of the wrong team because we are going to run the ball down people's throat. Like one of the complaints that Kirby had after the first game was that they were uh, the backs had been successful, but they would have been more successful if they had ran the ball up the middle and not bounced out so quickly. <laughs> like we're running the ball. Like yeah. that's just that's what's always going to be. So with that in mind, what do you think is going to happen with uh, James Cook? Oh, like in terms of his suspension, or uh, he's he's out for the first half. Well, he's yes. going to be out for the first half, yeah. But do you think that's going to actually end up helping us more because he's going to be fresh legs in the second half, or is that going to end up hurting us more than helping? I mean, I think it's uh, kind of net neutral because okay. on the one hand, you want him in there, and you know, missing any time from one of your players is bad. But on the other hand, yeah, he'll be fresh legs in the second half. I mean, I, I think honestly, you just have to ask yourself. Is this, even if you think that, you know, the line I think is at 10, S&P Plus has this at a 12-point win for Georgia. Yep. And even if you think it's closer than that, even if you think it's like a five-point difference, the question is, is the fourth-string freshman tailback going to be f- f- worth five points of difference? Exactly. You know what I mean? So, I mean, <clears throat> I, I don't think, I think it's neither positive nor negative. You'd like to have him, but I think, you know, he's not out. He doesn't have an injury, you know, so I, I think we're, we, we can just kind of move on. Yep, he'll be fine. Cool. Um, so let's talk about what we know about USC. Um, unless you got anything else on subjectives. People want to know about Terry Godwin, but we'll he's talk back. about that later. Yeah, he's fine. Godwin should be back. Yep. It sounds like Tyreek McGee actually might be back, and that would be great. That would be That'd huge, be cool. huge, yeah. huge. Tyreek McGee is, you know, an experienced cornerback. He's played star. He's played safety. He's played cornerback. He can play pretty much any position, and he's just a really steady guy. I don't know if he's the most talented guy in our 
uh, play that we have on defense, but he's definitely a guy who like is not going to make a lot of mistakes and has played a lot, and you'd love to have him back. Yeah. What do we know about UFC? UFC. So um, I'll go defense and then offense. Okay. Okay, so defense. Um, you know, I want to say at the outset that we're so early in the season, we have to work a lot with last year's numbers and just sort of project, and we'll talk about that. So four of top USC's top five returning producers of Havoc plays are gone. The fifth, DJ Woonham, is banged up for this game. He has a bad ankle. He will probably play, but be limited. Um, they have lots of returning depth in their, um, actually all the way through, all the way throughout their defense, but they, you know, it's definitely unproven depth and some of it is even maybe bad depth. Um, by which I mean, you know, if a player comes back, but he was bad next last year, the question being, is he just a totally different player? Anyway, um, they were 17th in rushing S and P plus last year. Uh, however, they were 62nd in stuff rate and 121st in power success rate. Uh, what that tells me, well, other than the fact that it makes me excited and puts blood in the extremities where it shouldn't, um, they swarmed to the ball well. Uh, Bryce Allen Williams comes back in inside linebacker. They have another very good inside linebacker whose name escapes me right now, but they don't have a disruptive DL. Rick Sandage is um, a very talented freshman who UGA wanted a five-star freshman D lineman, but uh, he's only played 12 snaps in college, and it doesn't appear that he's really cracked the rotation to that to that extent much. They were 86 last year in passing success rate before losing three senior starters from the secondary. Their secondary was steady last year and limited big plays, but it was definitely not a shutdown corner. It was definitely not like a group of shutdown defensive backs. Uh, right now, they're going to rely basically on Jamias Williams, who is probably their best uh, player in the in the back half of the defense. They are he's very talented, but you know he's going to be leading a group of transfers. There's a very good transfer from Texas A&M that came in that had 11 passes defense last year. There's a couple of transfers from like Gardner Webb, so they're relying on a lot of new faces. And something, and I'm kind of tipping my hand a little bit on what I think about <laughs> this game. But to be clear, and I'm going to take the expletives out of this that I put in the in the, in the notes, um, Jamias Williams, who is an excellent player, who was a four-star play uh, defensive back, who was one of those defensive backs, but who is small, but he's just like a really, really good player. Everybody wanted him. It was a huge coup when Muschamp got him from us. He was a take for us. Like he, we would have taken him easily. But to be clear, Jamias Williams is a great player, but he's 5'8", and he weighs, weighs in at 183 pounds, and he is starting at safety for USC. And huh. Yeah, and so I have some other... We can talk later. I have some other like weight-height things that I think are interesting in this yeah. game. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think that's kind of intriguing, to be just just honestly. I think it's a little intriguing. Um, you know, and I, and I can even say the other things I was thinking. If you look at their three most played, if you look at the snap counts of every player in South Carolina's defense last year, and you divide it up into uh, units, so the defensive line, their three most played players was DJ Wonham, who is like um, probably their best defensive lineman. He's a very disruptive defensive lineman, so, sort of a smaller like uh, Ledbetter type, Jonathan Ledbetter type, and then two others. And their weights were 305, 256, and 278. So I think that's also an interesting thing um, about their defense to take into mind. And for those of you who are new, because I know we have a lot of new listeners, our numbers tell us that. Um, my goal here and sort of like laying out all these stats is I sort of have a take on things, but I find that if we just say a lot of stuff out loud that <laughs> no, I mean, seriously, no, you're true. Is, I know you're absolutely right. This is this is how data analysis works is that you, you just accrue data, you accrue data. And sometimes literally just saying it out loud is helpful. And so I'm just going to put a lot of stuff out there. Some of it might not matter. Some of it might. And I think that'll allow us to make it. It should allow both the listener at home and ourselves to make better predictions about the game and see why things are happening the way they, they do. We want everybody who listens to this podcast to be a more informed viewer of football. Um, and, you know, I think that 
advanced statistics while they are in sort of their infancy for college football are a really good metric to use to give you sort of like a nice concise bird's eye view of what a team is is good at and isn't good at and explain to you why the things that are happening in the game are happening because whether or not coaches acknowledge the existence of advanced stats they are responding to these things because they know what their teams can do either good or for bad and i think that the advanced stats reflect that anyway moving on so offense um they're 64th overall in success rate 84th in iso pcp iso ppp last year success rate (laughs) iso ppp last year Uh uh success rate of course being um how often they average like a positive play and ISO PPP being their explosiveness, uh, their explosiveness. Uh, they had Kurt Roper last year, who was kind of unceremoniously dumped before the bowl game, replaced by Brian McClendon, who was their running backs coach. Um, Brian McClendon and Will Muschamp have said a lot this summer that they're installing a hurry up offense, and there's been a lot of chatter from practice about how fast practice is and how fast they go in practice and how they you know how they they're running up to the line and they're trying to do a play every 14 seconds which is really fast That's super um, fast. yeah and so i have i'm definitely in the i'll believe it when they do it tree yeah. uh, of this because you know when they have two three and outs that take up eight seconds off the clock and will muschamp is on the sideline georgia red um we'll see if he comes back out there and runs like three quick plays um brian mcclendon is it you know and the other thing that kind of makes me doubtful about this is that this is not in Brian McClendon's coaching tree. He played at UGA under Rick in, in 2002 to 2005, and he coached there as a GA and then eventually a running backs coach all the way until he moved to USC when Kirby Smart came to Athens. Um, he's a very good play parler so far as we know. Um, he called. He was part of the bowl game prep and play calling in the 2015 bowl game uh, with, Ted, uh, with Lily, our old tight ends coach. But there's nothing in his background that screams that he is a hurry up guy. I mean, there's no Chip Kelly, there's no Hal Mummy in his back, in his sort of like coaching tree background. And it is true, I will admit that, you know, Coach Richt, uh, he ran, he can run a fast offense, but he runs a lot of like look at, stay with me or look with me offense, which is sort of the uh, run up to the line really fast, stop, and then turn around. And I do think they will be faster this year, but I have some doubts as to whether or not they're going to be 2010 Oregon. Uh, their quarterback, they're led on offense by Jake Bentley, who's a scrambler, more inaccurate Jake Fromm. If you want to um, conf- compare stats here, uh, last year, Jake Bentley, 245 uh, for 394 for 2,794 yards, 62.2 completion rate, 7.09 yards per attempt. Uh, his long was 68 yards, 18 touchdowns, 12 interception interceptions, took 29 sacks, sacks. For a uh, old school QB rating of 130.7, a raw QBR of 59.8, and an opponent adjusted QBR of 65.1, 100 being the best quarterback of all time, zero being, you know, 50 being a passable quarterback. Now, I just reeled off a bunch of um, numbers, but let, just listen to the same stat line from Jake Fromm last year 181 completions on 291 attempts, 2,615 yards, 62.2% completion rate. Same completion rate on fewer attempts. Um, uh, 8.99 yards per attempt, uh, a little bit higher. 80 yard long, doesn't matter, but it is higher. 24 touchdowns to seven interceptions. That's a big one out there. Yep. Took 20 sacks for a 160 rating, a uh, raw QBR of 76.2, and a, an opponent adjusted QBR of 84.1. Jake Bentley is good. I'm not saying he's not. I just, I, I, I first off, I got a rep from my for my man from because there's nothing in what I just read that tells you that Jake Bentley is a better quarterback than, uh, than Jake Fromm. So just want to throw that out there. And two, you know, while he's very good and he can win this game for them, I'm not disputing that. I just think we need to like sort of pump the brakes on this whole narrative of like Jake Bentley, the second coming of, you know, Peyton Manning or Aaron Murray or something. Neither of these guys are that really at this point. 
Um, their running backs right now, Rico Dowdle and AJ Turner will be the two big returning backs. What you need to know about them is they're very talented backs. Uh, both of them had very down years. Uh, Turner dealt with some injury issues. Um, there was just a very down year last year on offense for USC all the way through. But I would say they, they rank maybe in terms of the, they're good and they can beat you too. But I would say if you're going to like talent compare them, they're more like very good serviceable SEC starting tailbacks than they are. Holy crap, this guy was a five-star, and it shows. Backs. Um, their best unit on offense is their wide receiving core. Brian Edwards, Debo Samuel, Otre Smith, and Shai Smith um, headline a very, very talented Debo uh, core. Samuel is a is a, a star who has dealt with a lot of injury issues, uh, something to look for. Uh, Debo Samuel, just he can just pretty much do anything. He's about six feet tall, but he just he's fast. He He's got great body control. He knows how to go up and get the ball, and he's really hard to cover. Uh, Brian Edwards is another very good wide receiver who has had some real problems with um, both, like, just basically consistency. He'll go off for, like, 200 yards one game, and then the next game that he won't have a catch. Otre Smith and Shai Smith are very talented youngsters who are coming in as sophomores and kind of round out the core as their third and fourth wide receiver. On the line, and I think this is where it kind of gets interesting, um, they had, let's see, nine players started at least one game. Only two started all 13 last year. Of those nine players, six are back, including second-team all-conference center Donnell Stanley. Donnell Stanley is probably their best offensive lineman. However, if you look at their line stats last year, they weren't like they don't jump off the page at you. Um, adjusted line yards per carry, 57. Standard downs per carry, 65th. PD carry, 46. Passing down carries, 46. Um, opportunity rate, 31st. So that's pretty good. They were pretty good at making something out of some, you know, when it was there. Um, 88th in power uh, power success rate and 110 in stuff rate. So to me, that does not that does not show you like a, a top 10, 15 offensive line. Those numbers don't at all. Uh, 63rd in adjusted sacks rate, 74th in standard down sack rate, 92nd in P and passing down sack rate. Um, standing down da- standard downs being of course mainly first and second downs or third down when it is third and short. Passing downs being anywhere where you obviously are more likely to pass. So third and long, second and long, stuff like that. Um, I think that's about it for my stats dump. So that's just all the stuff you need to be knowing about USC. I would say the big narratives you want to pull from that are USC was talented, but inconsistent last year on offense and was hit with a really bad, bad injury bug that basically killed their chances of, you know, really making noise last year in the SEC East. And they have got a lot more, they've got some of their talent healthy and they have a new offense coordinator. On defense, they're well-coached, they're physical, they play hard, but they definitely do not have the depth or talent advantage that UGA does over UGA. Um, They have had two very good uh, recruiting classes in this team, but those guys are sophomores and freshmen, and a lot of the bulk of their starters are former three-stars. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with that, but they definitely, you know, they are not starting freaks um, all the way across the board. There are freaks on this this lineup that can beat you, but they're not starting them. Okay. Yeah? Did you read that whole time? No. (laughs) No, apparently not. No. So yeah, I kind of just, what we want to do is throw all those out sort of on the table and just think about what, what, what stats do you feel of, of all the stuff that I just said, what, what kind of jumps out of you is something that you want to think about for the, the, when predicting this game and thinking about this game going in. So they're good against the run, which is true of most SEC teams. They're good against the run. They have a run game. That's like the SEC thing. We're going to, uh, or we're going to run the ball and we're going to, you know, run it hard. That's kind of our thing. But the thing is about this team, which isn't true from what I just said, is their, their stuff rates a lot lower than, um, 
it's sitting right about the average in the entire league, and then their power success rate is super low, that's not looking too hot. So it looks like yeah. we are essentially the kryptonite to their Superman. Yeah, yeah. No, I agree. Um, I think, you know, their stuff rate from last year, their power success rate from last year does not bode well for what we want to do as an offense. Yeah. Um, they've got some very good players, and they've got players. I mean, they had five Havoc plays last week. They've got players who cause havoc. They've got good swarming defensive backs, but I'm, I think that we're going to be frustrated in the first quarter because we're going to just run up the middle and it's not going to work as well as we want it to. And then by the fourth quarter, that's going to pay dividends because I don't think they have the depth. No, they don't. And, you know, saying that they had five havoc plays really is more telling for our, uh, for the tape than it is, you know, for that game. They played the Coastal Carolina Chanticleers. So, yeah. It's not like they were playing another sec team that's not going to look the same you know playing against us this weekend but they might have some havoc plays who knows you know they might shake it up they might play some more they they played about as vanilla of a game as we did last weekend so i'm not too Mm -hmm. we we don't know what to expect necessarily on offense here's my read of their offense Mm -hmm. debo samuel is very good yeah jake brantley is good they have a talented offense this was an offense that ranked 64th last year in success rate 84th and iso ppp i think they will be better are they be. going to be top 20 better? I don't think so. No. Their, their, their projection right now on offense per S&P Plus, which is, of course, imperfect, but I think an informed measure, their projection offense, on offense right now is 42nd. Their mm-hmm. projected on defense is 38. You and know, 35th overall S&P Plus rank. To provide a point of reference, what are ours uh, comparatively? Yeah, so right now for the year, ours are um, 7th on offense, 13th on defense for a 6th overall S&P Plus ranking. Yeah. We're going to get in. I'll get into this more in my reviews, but I think sort of that's a good way to come into this is just you can acknowledge that there are things about this team that can cause trouble for UGA and even beat UGA in a one game sample. But let's not act like that this is Alabama. And I don't say that to belittle USC. I say that because we need to go in not need, but I think the best way to watch a sports game is with the most informed perspective as possible. You know, like if you know what if you know the particulars in the background of a game, it's way easier for you to see the swings of the game before they come. Well, let's talk about stats worth highlight- highlighting. So we kind of already did that. Um, do you have anything on UGA that kind of that stands out to you thinking about not just stats, but just facts about UGA that you think are going to be important going into this game? I think it's still going to be a safe game from what we do. I think that we're going to win this game based off of our efficiency and not necessarily our explosiveness. I think we're going to outcondition them. And so I think that that 121st in power success rate on the USC defense, USC junior defense, is going to come into play real, real hard. So I think that we're essentially just going to outpower them over time. And so it's going to come down to the second and third and fourth downs. It's going to come down to those, uh, you know, one and two yards that we just have to eventually push through their D line and, you know, grab those first downs, manage the clock, run the ball, yada, yada, yada. You know, University of Georgia. Well, yeah, I think I think you're right. I mean, we gave 27 line starts to freshmen last year and went to the national championship. Yeah. Now we have five players with 69 career starts. That seems pretty 69 good. 69 career starts <laughs> on the offense. Uh, the only other thing that's, you know, a little concerning is uh, it seems that uh, Jonathan Ledbetter is, has he caught an ankle injury on Tuesday? Everything I'm reading is that he is on, he is questionable, but seems like he'll play. If that yeah. makes sense. Somebody yeah, yeah. said they saw him in a boot walking around campus. And I heard a report that, you know, the boot was just for healing purposes and he should be good to practice on Thursday. And if that's the case, you know, you'd like to have him at full strength, but that sounds like something that he can probably play through. Hey, one thing we haven't actually, we've, we've talked about it a lot is how good Debo Samuel is, but how do we go about actually stop? You know, they have 
they have more than two weapons, but the two weapons that we're hearing the most about is Jake Bentley and Debo Samuel. So how do we stop yeah. that connection other than DeAndre Baker? Because DeAndre Baker lines up on the opposite side of the field as Debo Samuel. So if that happens, if that I happens, mean, yeah, yeah, they'll probably try to scheme both of them together, but it's mm-hmm. not going to happen all the time. Yeah. I mean, look, they're passing down um, their, their offensive S and P plus on passing downs was 121st in the country last year. Mm-hmm. So if we can get them into obvious passing situations, I think that their line becomes a little bit of a liability liability. Yeah. I think that's going to be a key, limiting them on first and second down. They threw underneath a lot in their game against the Chanticleers, which I think is was by design because that's what they were given. But I also think that's just like the kind of offense that they are. They, they've they got a lot of very good catch and run guys. And then Depot Samuel is a, a wide receiver who's good at everything, basically. Yeah. yeah. You know, last year they were slow starters. Last year they had a 111th in offensive first quarter S&P plus. So I think kind of the key is keep them slow in the first quarter. Get some three and outs and put them in obvious passing situations. You know, Debo Samuel is going to get his yards um, just because he's good. I mean, sometimes you just play a good player and they get yards. I mean, that's part of it. He's probably going to score a touchdown and that's going to be frustrating. But I think that's just how it is. And I think what you have to do is put put the offense in a situation where they find it difficult to go to Debo Samuel over and over again. And so that's not just like bracket coverage. That's also putting them in, in plays where they have to have other options, right? You know, like if... If you're in third and eight and everybody knows that your first read is Debo Samuel, eventually you have to go in another direction. Yeah. You know, exactly. and how and, and getting the ball out of his hands, I think, is important. Make yeah, you make your opponent more predictable is the whole point of the game. Yeah, I mean, and I think especially against this team, which is very good, but has proven that they have problems when they have to pass, I think that's gonna be interesting. And you know, I Brian McClendon is a very good offensive coordinator, but you're in your second week of him as an offensive coordinator. This is the third game he's ever called. He's going to be good. I just think all of the things that people are saying about Georgia and how our defense has to gel, but it's talented. And this might be a play for, you know, uh, USC's vaunted offense to sneak up on us. Those are all true about USC's defense. Because while they have a lot of talent back, they are in a new situation. They are in a new situation and their starters have only played three quarters in it. And so, you know, I think McClendon's going to be good, but I'm not totally convinced that you won't see some fits and starts from their offense because that's just what happens when you have a new, I mean, offensive coordinator. Even if he was playing on staff before, even if he coached in the ball game, the bullet game, you cannot replicate SEC football. And that, and while that is a concern for us because we have a lot of youth on defense, it should also be a concern for USC because they also have a lot of youth, not just youth, but also inexperience with the system on offense. Something I always bring up, I, I like to talk about the special teams. I think one thing that really separated us from a lot of other teams that we played last year was our special teams. Uh, and you, you made a note here about their field goal efficiency. USC's field goal efficiency is 108th. They have a place kicker that hovers around 50% made field goals. So I think that's going to be a big deal. I know that we're a 10-point spread right now. We're a 12-point favorite. Uh, most Vegas odds are, are putting us at a 10-point spread, though. And 12-point so, favorite per S&P Plus. Yeah, yeah per S&P Plus. Um, and I think that'll actually factor in... I, it's kind of weird that that 10 to 12 right there is hovering in there because I don't know how likely it is that they'll be making more than one field goal, maybe two field goals. With that in mind, with that stat in mind, what are your, what are your thoughts there? I don't know that this thing, like you said, I don't predict this game to be that close. I think it'll be a closer game than we're comfortable with and mm-hmm. we're going to have to sweat it out. But I don't feel like this is a game that is obviously going to be like, you know, three points coming down to the wire. But if it is, I think that that's a situation that favors us because we have a we have a place kicker that has just done it. Oh, yeah. I I don't think it's going to come down to a three-point. What I meant more was, like, you know, with 10 points being the spread, that's the projected spread. Is it really going to be a big issue? Is is it going to be because that's a projected spread and they have such a weak place kicker, it's probably going to be a much 
larger spread uh, in reality. Yeah. So I'm trying to push that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So you're, so you're saying that like, if they play conservative and kick, that doesn't work well for them. And no. in some ways, like being the underdog sort of like it, 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 it lengthens the tail of mm-hmm. like their worst possibility on the bell curve. Yeah. In the sense that like, you know, if you are playing a tight game and you have a bad field goal kicker, there's ways around that. But if you're playing a game where you're behind and you have a bad field goal kicker and you have to get points on the board, then that can turn a close game into a route. Yeah, exactly. That You got it. You took all of my, my thoughts. And you made them into beautiful, beautiful words. A beautiful word picture. Yes. yes. Thank you for that. So things we want to see. What do you want to see on this? I want to see the linebackers have a really great day. I want to see Monty Rice uh, have a really great day. I want to see more pressure on the quarterback because we really didn't see that at all in this last game and i think that was definitely intentional that was by design making sure that we were holding our cards close to the chest but i think we'll, we will see a lot more pressure on the quarterback this time around because it, like you said they're, they're going to need to put points on the board i think that usc is going to play from behind and so i think that we're gonna we're push our secondary out more and force them to play under one and then also pressure the quarterback throughout those plays so i want to say that monty rice is going to have a great day i want to see him you know pull at least a sack. Uh, I want him to put a lot of pressure. I want him to be in the backfield uh, more often than he was last week. I think we need to, run, I want to see us run the damn ball. I want to, I want, it's going to be frustrating because we're going to get, we're going to get some tackles for loss. We're going to have some where we run into the line of scrimmage and nothing happens. But I think part of this is just, that's just what this kind of, this is the kind of game that's going to be. And that's going to pay dividends. I think Jake Fromm, I think I want to see him look poised. I'm not saying I want him to throw for 300 yards. I just want him to look like he did last year most of the time where he's not throwing picks. He's not taking sacks. He just looks like he can run the offense. He can do the correct checkdowns, et cetera. Um, I'd like to see a little bit more tight end usage. I think when you have a five foot eight safety and you have three, six foot and five and over tight ends, that that sort of just makes sense. Coastal Carolina moved the ball on them a little bit last week. Mm-hmm. You know, not not anything crazy, but Coastal Carolina had 123 yards for 3.3 yards per average, and I, and look that could that could presage nothing, but I think it tells us that I think we can run on these guys. Oh yeah, for sure. I, I think I want to see our running game that looks efficient, like you said, and that just grinds them down. Because I think the more we make this, if they want this to be the kind of game offensively where we're running and we're on a track field, I think we can do that. But I don't think they can do the game where we're just like banging on each other the whole night you know yeah. what i mean yeah, yeah yeah i think that you're exactly right i think that from will have a better day i think that um from having a better day and an efficient day will lead to us having a lot of uh explosiveness in the backfield from our running backs and so i think james cook coming in the second half is going to be instrumental in making sure this becomes closer to a route than not if that makes sense mm-hmm. i agree and i mean i think there's a wide variety of outcomes to this game i could see us losing close I could see us winning close. I could see us routing them. I don't see a South Carolina route unless something crazy happens and we have totally misdiagnosed this team, which is possible, but just doesn't seem It doesn't happen likely. all yeah. that often. <laughs> over-unders? Yeah, let's do some over-unders. So uh, over-under for my first one, over-under three pass breakups for Tyson Campbell. I think that's plenty doable. Do you think it's going to be more Tyson Campbell than it is like DeAndre Baker or J.R. Reed? Yeah, I mean, I think they're going to go after him. That's why I asked this question. I think it's actually going to be over. I think he might get victimized a little bit, but I also think he's going to have some pass breakups. And I think that his fourth pass breakup might not count because it might be like a pass interference. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I think he's going to play well. I think it's going to be under because I think that he is going to play well. And like you said, they are going to try and victimize him. They're going to try and go after him. But I think that after uh, he comes to the ball two times, they're not going to let him do it again. And they're going to try to move the ball around. 
Over under 150 yards for Debo Samuel. I f- freaking hope it's under. <laughs> that sounds that sounds scary. Like that sounds like two at least two touchdowns, obviously, and that makes it a much closer game than we would like for it to be. Because I don't see Georgia going much higher than 30 ish points. You know, and so I'm gonna say I'm still gonna I'm gonna say under. I'm gonna say under too, mainly just as a prayer. Yeah, that that's kind of how I feel as well. <laughs> um, what about over under UGA having 400 total yards of offense? Over. Over? Yep. How, what does that look like? I think we're going to run the hell out of the ball. I think yeah. we might actually run more this time than we do next time. I, I, you know, And I actually think maybe we won't turn all of those yards into as many points as you'd think. Uh-huh. But I think we're going to move the ball on them. Okay. I, I, I was kind of thinking the same thing. Because I, I I'm thinking that we're going to play a much more efficient and, uh, but conservative game still. I think there, there will be some plays where we just get away with the ball. And yeah. we score some big plays. But I think for the most part, we're going to be, you know, hovering around maybe that 450 500 total yards but it's not going to look like that on the scoreboard necessarily we're just going to have a lot of yards in yeah. in the bag over under uga two interceptions Ooh, this one's fun because if what happens to tyson campbell is what we hope happens then this becomes much more of a reality yeah i'm gonna say under just yeah. because two i could see if he has a bad day but he is not bad he's not bad i mean but i i do think that what's going to happen in this game is that we are going to, I think in the second half, they're going to have to throw a lot more is all I'm trying to say. I think that we're going to hold the ball for as long as we want to hold the ball. We're going to control the clock and push them to have to throw. And it's going to, I, I don't mm-hmm. think Jake Bentley's necessarily going to choke, but I think that, you know, they're going to, he's going to overthrow it most likely. Now I'm going to, I'm going to say push. I think two interceptions is a safe bet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. All right. Predictions. You ready for this? Advanced stats aren't perfect. They, can be misled and they are talking about percentile outcomes right so um s&p plus gives you a 76 percent chance of winning this game and you think about that and you're like that's a passing grade that's good but i would say if you think about it from the reverse and think about like that's about three out of four times we would win this game if we played it four times but if i said hey ride this roller coaster three out of four times it won't kill you you probably wouldn't get on the roller coaster right so there is a non-zero chance that south carolina wins this game and so i've tried to pay them the respect that they're due however there are holistics that we can look at that consistently over the past 25 to 30 years of football indicate who is going to win a game. They're not perfect, but they can get you to 60-70%, which is better than most people can do. And I have always been, throughout the course of the first season in this path, in this, um, I've always tried to follow the numbers. You know what I mean? And I've always tried to avoid the jinxes. And what I mean by that is, you know, this is a very jinx-ridden fan base, and I think a lot of people would be you want to like not reverse jinx your team by predicting a win. You know what I mean? But I just want to look at the numbers. And what the numbers tell me is this is an improving South Carolina team that is well coached and has some very good players. They also tell me that UGA has a size and talent advantage across the board. And that does not guarantee a win. But they also tell me that UGA has a lot of returning production coming back and a defense that while shaky at times is far more talented than I would say either side of the of South Carolina's um, offense or defense. I think if you see that and you think, okay, well, this is going to be a closer game, probably just because it's at home and everyone's juiced up, it's going to be a closer game than it should be, but we still have a talent advantage. That gets me to 31-24 UGA. I like it. That definitely, I don't know. Ugh. Ugh. I hate the USC game every year. I didn't, I, I really don't think I've, I've said it enough in this episode that I just hate the South Carolina game so much every year. This was my very first game I went to as a fan and it was also the very first game i saw live so this one holds 
a special place in my heart. But anyway, I do think that we're a good team. South Carolina is also a good team. I think that with how hot it's going to be on Saturday, the game time, uh, with how hot and how loud and how intense South Carolina Stadium is and just how ridiculous of a field it is to play at, uh, ridiculous of a stadium it is to play at, it's just a it's a very, very tough stadium to play in. And I think that's going to be a factor here. Uh, but I think it's going to negatively influence South Carolina because there are so many freshmen, there are so many sophomores. They may have more experience than we do playing in their stadium, of course. But I also think that there's going to be an effect there. I think the heat's going to have a big effect as well. And I think that our conditioning is just going to end up winning over on this game. I think James Cook coming back in the second half is going to be good for us. I hate that he has to miss the first half, but I think that him coming in fresh like in the second half is going to be good for us. He's going to pull something off with us. Um, my first prediction was 30 to like 7 or 30 to 10, but I think that Debo Samuel is going to have more going on. He's going to pull a few over on us. So I, I think that it will be more of a 30-17 with Georgia coming out on top. Okay. Wow. I feel pretty good about it. I feel, I feel good, pretty good about, about it too. I don't hate it. Let's do SCBC real quick here. I know we're coming up, even with like the 10 minutes of interruptions, we are coming up here on an hour. Ian Trapp, we, we have a PSA for the nation. So Ian Trapp, at Chapel Bell Curve, did ain't nothing finer in the land than a Georgia Redcoat marching band come before than a drunk, obnoxious Georgia fan? Uh, Ian Trapp knows this because he was in Redcoats and also the official Redcoats account, which I assume was Brett, said, I wanted the answer to this. I'll stay. I'll hang up and listen. Yes, it did come before there. Um, I can actually give you a brief history quickly. Uh, there was a band director that came from Syracuse who brought the band chant to UGA. Actually, if you listen, if you, you can look up a recording of Syracuse's band, they still do a band chant. So pretty different than ours, but relatively similar. And, you know, that has been around since, if I'm not mistaken, like the 70s. And I'm sure that Brett can tell me on Thursday exactly what the date is, but I, and I can't remember what it is. But yes, it has been there a long time before. And let me give you just a brief PSA about what the band's perspective on well, let me rephrase, not the official band's perspective, what it feels like to be a band member and hear that. If I say I'm doing something well and you take it and then say that you're doing something stupid and are proud of it, you can understand maybe why it would be frustrating. I hope you understand. It's like, no, it's not cool enough to say that the band is good. We have to say that we're drunk and obnoxious. So I find it, and I can't, and again, I don't speak for the band here, but I find it frustrating when I hear people shout that over us doing the band chant or just in general um and i know that in a lot of ways that we have the worst fan base in the world and we have a very <laughs> uh, we, have, we have a fan base that has a very negative connotation to a lot of people and i understand that i understand that's just the way it is and you can't ask people to change but please just do do me a favor to your fellow georgia fans and to your band members who work very hard to get out there and get you hyped up and just say the actual words just for all of us we'll all be happier You'll be happier because you won't look back at your 20s and think that you were trash. And I'll be happier because I won't have to just listen to you say it. Strong words. Strong words from uh, Nathan Lawrence there. Uh, <laughs> um, from Stage Manager for Life, Abby Vincent Key asks more, CBC. More like ask CBC fan for life. That's right. exactly correct. What are your favorite hate talk and hot takes about UGA from South Carolina fans? Which I think you kind of talked a lot about. <laughs> What are my favorite ones? Well, I mean, I, I, I really love the five areas South Carolina can be better than Georgia. Uh-huh. Uh, we had another question about that. It was like a Saturday Down South thing. It was just like a caricature of an article. And there are ways that South Carolina can be better than Georgia. But man, none of the... It was like wide receiver death was the one that I agreed with. And then the rest of it was just like, 
well, maybe their place kicker will be better. And it's like, wow. There's a lot guys. of general sweeping generalizations as well. It was like their offense, yeah. their special teams. And yeah, it's just, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, and, and that, that's kind of what bothers me too about the whole projection of us losing. It's not that we can't lose. It's that if you're hinging South Carolina winning on the fact that Debo Samuel is coming back, that is vacuous surface level analysis. There are ways that they can win this game that do not have very, that have very little to do with Debo Samuel. And Debo Samuel is very good. But if we are, 25 points higher 25 positions higher than them on offense and 30 higher than or 15 higher than them on defense which i think that's actually not even that i think it's more than that right now in terms of snp plus predictions i don't think that debo samuel is suddenly going to make their defense better or their running game better and you can throw you can target a wide receiver 15 times but i would i i defy you to target 130 that's my favorite hot take my favorite trash talk for USC that I've seen today is uh, USC is Alabama's mouth with Vandy's trophy case. <laughs> I like that. Uh, another one came from, this one really wasn't uh, Ask CBC, but you've already, already uh, brought it up, actually. It was Zahn Hostetter, which is a crazy name. I don't know if I yeah. even said that right. Just said, analyze this and linked you to the five areas South Carolina is better than Georgia. Do you want to talk any further about it? Well, there are areas that, that South Carolina is better than Georgia, and only one of those is one of the areas that actually exists. It was so vacuous. It's like, if you want to say that you just have a gut feeling that a team is going to win because, like, you know, sort of there's a lot of storylines and there's a lot of just sort of facts that make it seem like that, just say that. You know what I mean? Don't tr- don't talk yourself into it. Just, like, stake it out there. That's the thing that frustrates me. It's like, you can find numbers. You could make an argument. A, 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 the nega version of this podcast that is a South Carolina stats-focused podcast could make an argument that South Carolina is going to win. I fully acknowledge that. But don't don't get out there and just say like, well, Jake Brentley's coming back. He's good. It's like, sure. Yeah, that's awesome. So is Jake Fromm. Well, Georgia's defense is, you know, they're going to have to congeal together. They got a lot of talent. Well, hey, you know what, dude? South Carolina's defense doesn't have a lot of talent. Uh-huh. They don't. Like I'm not compared to ours. I mean, I I don't know. It's it just it, it it frustrates me to no end. And the sort of like shallowness of people's thinking. You know, I'm 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 very ready to have an argument, but let's have a non-shallow one. Oh, also, I just want to say that um, we you just this will forever be true. UGA made Steve Spurrier quit South Carolina. Oh yeah. And no matter how many times <laughs> he scored 50 points on us in Sanford Stadium, no matter how many times that little shit eater grins and says something stupid about us having some some like, you know, stupid suspensions early in the year because Mark Rick can't control his team, no matter how many times that happened, that won't change the fact that we made him quit football. We are the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen and he is Sean Connery. We ended his career. And that will always be true. And no matter how angry he gets or how many times he beat us, he'll still be 0-4 against Georgia as a player and they still will keep him out of the national championship every time in 1965. So he can suck it. <laughs> I was going to say I missed Hayton Ass Spurrier, but I think I really just, uh, I- I'm pretty satisfied with Hayton Ass Lawrence. Yeah, well I have more thoughts. You sure do. Like, So ultimately, here, here's the last thing I want to say. South Carolina can win this game, but I feel like Iron Man in the first Avenger where it's like, there's no throne here. There's none. You can win this game and that's fine. And you can go and lose to Alabama next year or this year. But then next year, all of the best players on our team are freshmen and sophomores. And I hope very much in the next five years that you can keep up because short of a seismic shift in the way college football is played and or the global warming inspired end of the world, that ain't happening. So that's, that's what I got. I like Man, it. I really got off on a rant there at the end. Yeah, you, it's pretty typical. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, this has been Chapel Bell Curve. You can find us on uh, wherever you've been listening to this this whole time. iTunes, Google Play, Spotify. Uh, are we on Spotify now? Heck yeah, we are. 
Oh my gosh, we're on Spotify. We're like real. We should be people on Spotify. Can, people can listen to us during our runs. I'm gonna I'm gonna look at it. I'm gonna look it up. This is great, great air, great radio, great stuff. He's gonna tell you in just a hot minute. But anyway, uh, you can find us on all our social medias: uh, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Carrier Pigeon is a new thing. We're on Periscope. You can find us on. Uh, <laughs> I think this weekend, Instagram TV. Actually, we are on Instagram TV. Nathan will actually most likely do some Instagram TV stuff this weekend again. I would think. I'm speaking for you, but I can't really. Yeah, no, I think I will. You probably will. I'm, cool. I'm going. I'm going to do one at halftime and hopefully do one pregame. And uh, I think we're going to have a little short reaction piece out after yes. immediately after for our subscribers, our Patreon subscribers. Um, and hopefully, uh, if we can do this correctly, what this is going to be is. Uh, we will have a short, I would say, no more than 10-minute reaction piece up immediately after the game where I will just call Justin on my uh, regular old phone and we will go over what happened in the game. And that will be coming out for our Patreon subscribers on their special feed, which I will have to turn back on because I turned it off. Uh, oh. Or Justin will have to turn it back on. I don't know. Who anyway, it off, but it's on there. You can get in touch with us on Facebook by searching Chapel Bell Curve, by email at chapelbellcurve at gmail.com, and on Twitter and Instagram at chapelbellcurve. Also, go check out our new website, chapelbellcurve.com. It has all our crap on it, and pretty much anything you want to find from us is there. Um, if you enjoyed today's episode, please, 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 please leave us a rating and review wherever you listen to your fine podcast. It really does help our exposure. We've had a really, really good thing going with Dog Sports recently where um, they've been putting up our uh, episodes as posts, and that's really like helped kind of spread the word about the Chapel Bell Curve gospel. But if you want other people to care about sports and numbers like you do, uh, rating and reviewing is a good thing. And that's all I'm going to shill about it. So we will catch you in the, South, in the Classic City next week, and we will catch you in that putrid armpit of the southeast columbia south carolina on saturday but until then go Go dogs. dogs